0: Jesus tells a parable of two men who went up to the temple to pray, a self-righteous Pharisee and a humble tax collector. This parable not only teaches us what true righteousness is all about, it also warns us against falling into the sin of self-righteousness. How do you know if you've become self-righteous? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zuckeran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. The last time we were together, Pat began a message he presented in the city of Manila in the Philippines at Grace Gospel Church North. He shared on the dangers and signs of self-righteousness and how to be truly righteous before God. Remember, if you've missed any part of this broadcast, head on over to our website, that's evidence and Answers. And look up the title, A Parable of Two Prayers. You can download it or listen online. Now, here's Pat to conclude.
1: He said, Man, I thank you that I'm not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers. He exalted himself while he was putting others down. Outwardly, he lived a righteous lifestyle, he condemned others of these sins without realizing that he was guilty of those sins as well, right? Jesus said, if you look at a woman with lustful intent, you've committed adultery in your heart. Who hasn't done that? And if you say to your brother, you fool, then you have murdered him in your heart. He was guilty of these sins, yet in his self-exalted, self-sufficient pride, he didn't see it in himself. He had an even greater guilt, the sin of pride. You see, humility before God, love for others, compassion for others, that's the true essence of righteousness. That's what it means to be righteous before God. And this is what he didn't have. It's summed up, the Old Testament, it's summed up in Micah 6 8 in the Old Testament. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your god that's the essence of the old testament law these qualities he was missing see the pharisee failed to live out the great commandment right when jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment of all he said what love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself something that he had failed to live so he said well I thank you. I'm not like an adulterer or an extortionist or a thief. And probably at this time, the tax collector who was standing behind him probably even pointed to him and he, and he said, "And and even like this tax collector, he said, I fast twice a week. According to the Old Testament law, fasting is only required once a week on the Day of Atonement, and you fast from sunrise to sunset. Now, according to the Talmud." Okay, this is an additional book, expanding, giving you the additional regulations and traditions that had developed in Judaism. Voluntary fasting occurred Monday and Thursday twice a week. So the really pious fasted twice a week. And he said, man, I, fa- I don't fast once a week. According to the teaching of the law, I fast twice a week. And then he says, I give a tenth of all I get. In the Old Testament, you give a tithe on your earnings or your harvest. And he said, hey, I do more than that. Everything I get, I give a tenth on. it. I do more. So he did double the fasting. He did more than the tithing law required. He felt he did more than God required and that he was standing righteous before God. So according to his claim, he went beyond the call. He went beyond the duty. So God should really be impressed with his record. Now, Luke's purpose here is not to identify a villain. He's here to identify an attitude that is contrary to the kingdom of God, the false idea of what righteousness is. Now, the Pharisee represents all who believe that they can be righteous before God. And the cults and all world religions not based on the work of Christ, basically teach righteousness can be attained through good works, all right? So Jesus addresses this false ideology, but the Pharisee also warns us, believers in Christ, the people of God's family, of the danger we can fall into if we're not careful. Self-righteousness, we can fall into that, and it can be a real turnoff, to those who don't know Christ. We need to be careful. We do not fall into this sin as well. You know, I remember when I came to Christ, a bunch of us were playing, you know, American football and baseball, and we're not the kind of crowd that would go to church. Well, a bunch of us came to Christ. We started attending church, and, you know, we didn't dress right. You know, we came in like we came in from football practice or baseball practice, you know. We didn't know how to dress. We didn't know how to talk. We were still drinking beer and chewing tobacco and doing all, all those kind of things. We were brand new in Christ. And we would go to the Sunday evening service. So we'd go Sunday morning, and we'd go to the Sunday evening service. And then Sunday evening, we would be in the church parking lot, and we'd have a barbecue, all right. And we just hung out and fellowshiped with beer and barbecue and all that in the part. And you could tell the people in the church didn't want us there. You know, they despised us. You know, we could sense it. And we were wondering, man, should we even be attending this church? Should we not attend church? What should we do here? Well, it wasn't until one man walked over to us, began talking to us, and took an interest in us, and discipled us, all right? And it's because of him many of us are walking with the lord today it's because of him i'm in you know serving god in full time ministry you know that self-righteous attitude is something we need to be careful of i can tell you story after story after story of people who have left god's church because they sense that attitude towards them you know when i was a youth pastor we had a young man named James. He was a gang member. He had tattoos and everything, earring. He came out of the gang and he came to faith in Christ. And he started attending the youth group and starting attending church. And the parents came up to me and said, we don't want him here at the church. I don't want a man like, I don't want a boy like this coming into the same youth group with my daughter. Tell him to go somewhere else, all right? And I said, hey, this is who the church is for people like him all right and a bunch of the parents came to me they called they left messages on my phone saying we don't want him here we don't want him with my do- we don't want him with my son get rid of this guy and eventually they talked to him and he stopped showing up and one day I called him I went to go look for him he was back at the pool hall And so I went down to the pool hall in the smoke-filled room, and I said, Hey, James, where you been lately? And he said, Oh, one of the dads called me, told me don't come to church anymore. And and he said, Man, I was so hurt by that phone call. I don't want anything to do with church or Jesus anymore. You know, I don't know what ever happened to James. But, man, that kind of, you know, self-righteous condemning attitude really cost the church there the life of a young man who Christ loved, who wanted to know Christ, but it turned him away from the church. You know, Susan Maurer, another good friend of mine, she has a tremendous story, but she went away to college and in her freshman year attended a college party where she was drugged and she was raped and she ended up getting pregnant. Well, when she went to church and they found out this is a single woman and she's pregnant. They told her, out of here, all right? We don't want you hanging out with a man here. This is the kind of woman you are, out. Never sat her down and said, what happened? What is going on? Uh, they just said, you're single, you're pregnant. We don't want these kind of women here, out. She left church for years. It was decades before she returned because the reason, only reason she returned is that that young man, the result of rape, she decided not to have an abortion. She gave birth to Darren. Darren came to faith in Christ in college and led his mother to Christ, and it's about 25 years later that she finally returned to the church. See, legalism, self-righteousness kills. We need to be careful we don't fall into that trap. Now, your life application is this. Know the signs when you've fallen in to self-righteousness. Here are some signs you may have fallen into that attitude You become self-righteous when you repel others. People don't like being around you, all right? I know a guy, I believe he's a brother in the Lord, but (laughs) he goes from church to church to church because he's church, it's hard to be around him. And he came to our fellowship and he's lived in Hawaii all his life and he doesn't have any friends. So I thought, this is really weird. He's on his fourth marriage already and you know i invite him to our bible study and at our bible study wow he's always telling us how terrible we are and how we're not good because we don't do this we don't do that we don't pray long enough we don't wear the right clothes and uh, and finally i had to ask him to stop attending you know it was really hard for us so do you repel others are you uncompassionate towards others? do you not care about others are you quick to condemn others they don't dress right they got a tattoo they're divorced, they're separated. He has long hair, whatever. We're quick to condemn others. Do we love the approval and praise of men? Are we quick to reject correction? Do we have a legalistic mindset when people don't dress right, when they don't have the right haircut? Are we quick to judge? Are we constantly comparing ourselves with others? And are we hostile to grace, okay? Do we not want to extend grace to others? Think about that. Reflect on that today. Maybe you've fallen in to self-righteousness, something we need to be careful of. Now, in contrast to the self-righteous Pharisee, Jesus introduces us to the tax collector. He says, but the tax collector, standing far off, probably meaning he was standing in the back of the temple, probably not even in the temple, maybe in the outer court, would not even lift his eyes up to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, tax collectors were hired by the Romans to collect taxes from their fellow Jews. And the Romans gave them a quota to meet, all right? Now, nobody knew what the quota was except the tax collector. And anything over that amount was theirs to keep. And many tax collectors charged more okay, than their quota that they were able than to gain a lot of income. That's why some of the tax collectors were some of the wealthiest in the community. And this is why that they were so despised by their fellow Jews. And it says here, this tax collector stood at a distance. He didn't even see himself as worthy to stand close to the sanctuary. Perhaps he stood at the outer edges. Maybe at the court of the Gentiles. And he said, he would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast. This is a sign of sorrow, a demonstration of humility and sorrow over sin. And his prayer was very brief. And it was this, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You see, the tax collector sought God's mercy. He did not parade his own righteousness. His prayer was a confession of sin and a plea for mercy. And Jesus says, this prayer is what reflects the attitude of the kingdom, humility, and a sincere desire to follow God and turn from sin. Jesus said in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, who mourn over sin, who are repentant over their sin, for they shall be comforted. This is what God is looking for, a sincere heart, a a turning to God, saying, God, I can't do it on my own. On my own, I am not righteous. I need you. This is the attitude that brings men and women to right standing with God. This is what righteousness looks like, God says. Right? Think about it. If things go wrong in a friendship, It's a sincere and humble attitude that's required to bring the fellowship back together, all right? You know, I remember there was a Christian leader who denounced me publicly as a false teacher. And it was a false accusation that he had made, all right? And it wasn't just once. It went on for weeks, all right? And I finally went up to him and I said, Hey, brother, this is a false accusation that you have leveled on me, all right? I don't appreciate it. You need to cut it out. And he said, I never said anything. What did I say? And I said, Oh, come on. It's on record. All right. I don't need to go back and play all these podcasts. He goes, Oh, I never said anything. I said, Yeah, you never mentioned my name, but everybody knows who you're talking about. A Christian apologist, graduate degrees, and author. I'm the only guy in church that fits that description. And he goes, Oh, brother, I didn't say anything. I said, Yeah, you did. And so we're going. And he finally looked at me and said, okay, brother, I'm sorry, you misunderstood everything. And I said, you're just throwing it back on me. And he said, brother, you know what your problem is? You don't forgive. That's your problem. And I'm sorry, you misunderstood everything. Okay, he threw it right back on me. And I said, okay, buddy, I forgive you, but I said, reconciliation, you're going to have to humble yourself and apologize. You're pretending you don't know, you're throwing it all. I said, that's not sincere at all. There's no sincerity with you here, okay? So he's forgiven. The reconciliation is not there. There's another brother. I remember he told us you have to improve your website and this is what you have to do. And I said, okay. And we paid $5,000 for the service and for him to improve our website. That's what, 30,000 pesos that I paid. It never got done, never got done. We were gone. Uh, $5,000, about 30,000 pesos, gone. I was mad at him for about two years. I stayed upset at Brad, all right? Whenever I heard his name or saw him, I'd be like, oh, you know. You know, not long ago, last month, he called me after two years, and he said, hey, Pat, can we get together? I said, oh, you want to get together? Okay. And so I talked to my wife, and I said, all right. She said, what are you going to say? And I said, here's what I'm going to say. You cost us this much money, yeah. I had it every, and she goes, well, what do you think he's gonna say? I said, he's gonna argue with me. And this is what I'm gonna say when he responds back to me. Uh, I was ready for a showdown. And so the next day came breakfast, and I was walking down the street to to the cafe, and I saw him coming up, and I said, I'm ready. I had my guns loaded, and I was going to let him have it. And we sat down and we said, hello, how's your wife, and we talked a little bit. And then he looked at me and he said, Pat, I want to apologize, all right, I let you all down. I'm sorry. I hope you can forgive me. And there I realized, you know what, I was the self-righteous one. And it was because of his humility and sincerity, I said, don't worry about it. I said. It's just money, all right? The relationship is more important than that. Fellowship and a relationship is restored, why? Because humility, sincerity, turning from sin. That's what God requires of us, all right? A desire to know Him, a desire to follow Him and a true repentant heart that is sincere when confessing sin, turning from sin, and seeking his forgiveness. Our application then is this, remember, true righteousness is is what's in the heart. Man looks on the outside, God looks at the heart. True righteousness is attitude, it's what's in the heart. You can't fool God who sees the heart. And Jesus concluded with these words, and his conclusion may have just absolutely stunned the audience. He says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, all right, not the Pharisee, not the pastor, all right, not the Bible teacher, the tax collector. He said, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Two men went up to the temple to pray, but only one of them really prayed. And Jesus said, it's the tax collector who's justified means made right with God. The tax collector returned home with a new relationship with God. You see, one's position in, it's not about one's position in society. It's the position of the heart that means everything. And Jesus wasn't really focusing on their prayers here. That was, it's not really the focus of this parable. But it was the heart and the attitude. That's what God is concerned about. God knows the difference between a false display of godliness and the true heart for God. The tax collector gained a new heart of righteousness given to him by grace because he humbled himself and was truly sorry for his sin. And Jesus said, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the principle that God honors, humility. In proclaiming his own righteousness, the Pharisee rejected the possibility of receiving God's grace. Pride, self-righteousness is what keeps people out of the kingdom. See, true humility is not to think lowly of yourself, I'm undeserving, I'm nothing, I'm garbage. No, it's to think rightly and to think truthfully about yourself as God's word declares. Everyone who comes to Christ, who is gonna be a part of the kingdom of God, must humble themselves and get right with God. And disciples of Christ must beware of this kind of pride. Now, I uh, was able to fellowship with a brother from Australia there at Word of Life, the other guest teacher. He's going on 50 years of marriage now. And I asked him, I said, 50 years of marriage, what's the key? What's the key to a good marriage? And he said, you have to know the seven most important words in a marriage. You wanna know what they are? Seven most important words. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? All right. He said that, you're gonna learn how to humble yourself and say this often and mean it. When you can steer clear of self-righteousness and remain humble, he said, you're gonna have a long-lasting and wonderful marriage. Well, how do we develop this quality of humility that's so difficult, so contrary to the world? Here are some things that my friends and I put together to help us develop this character of humility, which can often easily be lost. First, develop humility by serving others, by serving others. That's the spirit of Christ, isn't it, who washed the disciples' feet. Thank God often and always. See, there's two characteristics of being humble. You recognize everything you have, including your success all comes from God and Second putting others before yourself Third confess your sins regularly to God self-examine yourself and realize you get an Honest picture of yourself when you examine yourself and confess your sins regularly to God have a sense of humor and okay? be able to laugh at yourself and finally learn to listen to others. Well, there's nothing as repulsive as a proud, self-righteous person who looks down on others who do not meet their false standards. Let that not be the trademark of you and I, nor the trademark of this church. On the other hand, there's nothing more attractive than people who love God and walk in humility. And let's pray that this is the hallmark of this church and all the disciples of Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we take this exhortation that you have given, and we pray that we would walk in humility, that love for you, compassion, and love for others would be the hallmark of Grace Gospel Church and all churches and all disciples who call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to be the truly righteous people who walk humbly with you, Lord. And we pray this for each one in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Have you been to our website lately? That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org be sure to use our search engine. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio, free to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, you can head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. i